0: high-end designer, or a lot of money to get a luxe look, be your own interior designer. This is Affordable Interior Design, the podcast. Here's your host, Betsy Hellman. Hi, everybody. Happy November. I hope you guys are doing well, staying warm, cuddled up by the fire, listening to this podcast. We're going to kick off today with something I don't do very often, and that is celebrate. Celebrate. You know, I'm always so busy, focused on the next goal, the next project, the next client, that sometimes, most times, I forget to stop and celebrate big wins. And I think it's so important because otherwise, it's just one goal, one milestone after another. And I think reflection is key. I think pausing is key. And I think, you know, feeling successful feeling like your hard work amounted to something is very important. And when we skip that step, which I so often do, you skip the reward of all the hard work. What was it for if you didn't feel it? So, today I want to take just a couple of minutes to feel it because we are at episode 304. So, episode 300 just totally slipped under my radar. I didn't catch it, I didn't celebrate it, but I want to feel it. After over six years of podcasting, I want to have some milestones that allow me to stop and say, hey, wow, I did it. And more importantly, we did it because I can record every day, all day. Just be grateful I don't do that. Uh, But I can record and fine. But if nobody's listening to it, what does it matter? If a tree falls in the forest, nobody hears it, you know, that whole thing. So really, this is a celebration not just for me, but also for you guys. Thank you so much for being engaged listeners, for sending me your questions, for sticking around week after week. It means so, so much to me. And it has really created a special community of premium members, of regular members. It warms my heart. It allows me to... um spread the message and make interior design accessible to everyone. And I just am so grateful for you guys and for what you bring to the community, to my mailbag, to my life. So thank you. And there we go. 300. Feels pretty good. Let's keep it going. And I'm going to really try hard, really try hard to celebrate 400 in a little bit more of an official way. If you want to celebrate with me, the best way to do it is to leave me a review. So have you been listening for a long time? Have you been enjoying this podcast? Well, I want it to grow. I want even more listeners to hear about us. So the best celebration gift that you can give to me is by going to whatever streaming app you listen to this on, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify and leaving a review. They mean so much and they help this podcast to get discovered so we can keep on chugging along for another 300. Well, speaking of hard work, there's something I've been working on. Something I've been working on for nearly a year since December of last year. Something that I'm finally really excited to start unveiling. So, dun, 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 dun. That's my version of a drum roll. Uh, So I want to share with you that I am now offering a licensing of my business model at Affordable Interior Design. So many people come to me and they say, Betsy, I love interior design. Maybe I went to school for it. Maybe I took the academy. Maybe I've done other online courses. I know how to design. People love my spaces. They say I'm very talented, but I do not know how to run a business day in, day out. I don't know when to invoice customers. I don't know what to charge customers. I don't know what my packages should look like. I don't know what to do. What emails do I send? What wording should I write? They don't know how to manage their business. And I'm proud to say that at Affordable Interior Design, after 16 years of working, I have created a business model that is locked and loaded We use it time and time again, we work in a proprietary method that I've always kept under lock and key with an NDA with the people who work for me. Now, I want to make that business model available to anyone who's interested in starting an interior design business and being a success. Uh, I think it's really going to spread my mission of making interior design more accessible. And so basically with a license, that means that you get all my tools, all my techniques for running a business, for operating day to day, but you get to do it under your business name. So you can grow your own brand, work your own way, use the tools you want, ignore the tools you don't want, but you have access to everything that i built over the past 16 years. So could you figure this all out on your own? Definitely. Do you want to? That's another story. It has truly taken me 16 years, collaborations with my team members Mm -hmm. to hone each email, to hone each package, each step of the process so that it is a well oiled machine. If this was available when I started business 16 years ago, I wouldn't have had to stumble in the dark to learn how to create an interior design business. So I wish there had been something like this when I started. It would have really paved the way for me to just do what I do best, design. So, if you want to make interior design a lucrative side hustle or if you want to make it your full-time career, this may be a great opportunity for you. You can go to affordableinteriordesign.com/podcast, once again affordableinteriordesign.com/podcast to read more about the licensing opportunity, and you can always sign up for a call with me and I'll determine if you're a good fit. It won't be the perfect fit for everyone, But if you want a business model that's plug and play, but you can get your own visibility, this may be the path for you. So check it out. Go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. And without further ado, let's reach into the mailbag. I have some really great questions that have come in this week. So I'm going to pull one up right now. My first question comes from Folsom, California, and it's from Laura. Laura writes, Hi, Betsy. I really enjoy listening to your podcast, and I have your book, Affordable Interior Design. The question is, can you offer an alternative to brightening up the house with lighter colors that everyone else isn't using? I tend to not want to be trendy. I don't want to have the same colors as everyone else. For example, I don't want all white walls, gray walls, gray tile, etc. My house is currently warmer. It has tan walls and warm colors. It's hard to see in the picture I've provided, but the floor is terracotta tiles, which can be limiting. Thanks for your advice. Guys, if you want to see Laura's pictures, you can either head over to our podcast page at affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast, or you can go to our YouTube channel, Affordable Interior Design, and you can see the images from the questions today. All right, Laura. So I don't worry about trendy color palettes. I don't worry about it. What's in today is out tomorrow. More importantly, what I like today is going to change tomorrow. So the key is that you start with that foundation of neutrals, which you have already done with your tan walls, and then you find that inspiration piece, right? Whether it's a piece of art, drapery panels, prominently placed pillows, or a nice patterned rug, it needs to have three Roy G. Biv colors or more and then you pull those colors out and use them in different doses. So let's just say the rug had a ton of colors and that was your inspiration piece. You're gonna pull out cherry red, stoplight yellow, and apple green. And those are going to be their accent colors, the color palette that you're going to be using for your room, but you'll use that 60-30-10 so that you'll use them in different doses. That is exactly what I have in my home. I actually have a painting as an inspiration piece instead of the rug, but those are my three accent colors. However, I realized the other day when I was taking an online class with Benjamin Moore, learning more about their latest paint lines, etc., that I have really bright colors, bright colors that create a lot of energy, not the light colors you're referring to. So sometimes when I get home, I have a hard time relaxing. Or my kids, when their friends are over, are acting really frenetic. And I didn't even think that maybe my colors are inspiring that level of activity. Maybe if I did something lighter or more muted like you're referencing, it would allow me to relax a little bit more easily and it would calm my children down. What do we think? So I really like the way you're thinking, Laura. But as I mentioned, colors are popular one day and not popular the next. And the color palette of colors available doesn't really change, right? It's already quite extensive. It's just which ones you pull from that inspiration piece. And the more colors your inspiration piece has in it, the more you'll have to choose from as you decide, hey, I'm going to swap out those pillows and I'm going to bring in, like I just did, I swapped out the apple green and brought in some navy to bring it all down and kind of ground that color palette. And I swapped out a vase that's on top of the piano, and it used to be a brightly colored red vase. I want to tone everything down. Again, I brought in that touch of navy. So now navy is my 20% in the room, and I've still got some red, and I've still got that beautiful yellow. So hopefully that's given you some context. That being said, I work with so many clients. You know At my firm, we take 40 clients or more every month. And I take a fraction of those. So I definitely see colors that I like to use. And I definitely see clients being drawn to colors that are what one would call trendy. So here's a list of some trendy colors that I've been seeing a lot that maybe I'm ready to start phasing out a little bit. One of them is blush. Blush has been really popular for six to eight years now. Uh, and I think it's just getting a little played out. It's really ubiquitous, and it's kind of in alignment with peach in terms of these really pale, warm colors that I also don't think would look very good with your terracotta tiles or your tan walls. It might be almost too close in tone having another light, warm color associated with the room. The other color that I think has played out and has been played out for about 10 years, but I'm in love with it, it's my favorite color... Teal. Teal is through. Stop using teal. I, meanwhile, have teal in my office. I'm just rebranding and getting a totally new logo, which will be revealed later this month. And it prominently features teal because I just can't let it go. But uh, just to let you know, that is a trendy color that I think is phasing out. I also think emerald green is a flash in the pan. So it's been popular for about two years now. And I do think it's going to have a lifespan that ends relatively soon. It's a beautiful jewel tone. So of course, it's always classic. It's always going to be around, but I think we'll be seeing less of it. Also, another color you heard me mention, navy. Yes, I just incorporated navy in my living room But I think that people have been using navy in a combo with the blush that's getting a little bit exhausting. They've been using navy in a combo with the emerald, which I think is a little played out right now. So let's talk about some other combos that I'm not really into. Blue and yellow. I must say, I've relied on blue and yellow a lot. They're complementary colors, so they create a lot of beautiful energy. Or actually, blue and yellow are not complementary colors, blue and orange. It's purple and yellow. Excuse me. But they do create a lot of energy. You know, the most popular color in the Western Hemisphere is blue. So my clients want to use it all the time. And when I tell them I would like to mix it with a warmer color, they're afraid of red. Orange is divisive. Purple, not for everyone. So people feel really safe bringing in yellow. And yellow um, with blue, I think, is getting played out, especially teal and yellow. So do I still do it? Yes. Did I just design a teal and yellow living room last week? Yes. The clients love that combination, and it still can be very fresh and relevant. But I think it's a little played out. Also, navy and blush, you heard me mention, and I said emerald and navy, but also emerald and mustard. I'm getting a little tired of emerald and mustard. I don't know about you. So those are my personal feelings, but my real personal feeling is that everything new is old again, and colors are not trends. Colors are staples. Other things could be trendy, like types of materials or styles. Colors, timeless. There we go, Laura. That's my two cents. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. My next question today comes from Matthew. Matthew's writing from Seattle, Washington, and I actually know Matthew very well. You'll hear how. Hi Betsy, I'm a former academy student who's been accepting design clients for the past few months. I'm reaching out because I've been encountering a problem that I am not sure how to solve. Several of my clients need to incorporate adjustable standing desks in their work-from-home setups. I love the idea of these desks, but I hate the way they look. They're typically very basic, very utilitarian with no style. Being that they're motorized, they always have cords hanging off of them with no good ways to hide the cords. Do you have any tips for making these desks look better? Are there any companies you know that do adjustable standing desks well from a style perspective? Any help would be greatly appreciated. Thank you, Matthew. Matthew, I totally feel you on this one. In fact, full disclosure, I thought, because you know, guys, that I had a herniated disc a year ago, I thought that a sit stand desk would be the answer to all my problems. And when John, my new sales and admin manager started back in June, he told me about this amazing sit stand desk at IKEA that raises with a hand crank and is only, you know, $269 and is really big and he shared that link with me and I got very excited because I was like you know what? I need to stop sitting so much. I need to exercise my core strength. I need to get out of this chair eight hours a day. So I thought it'd be a great idea. I invested in one at Ikea for two sixty nine, dollars And it looks just like the ones online that you see everywhere else at Uplift Desks. You know, every major office furniture company has standing desks and they all look about the same. A big old surface with metal legs. That are really long so that way it's nice and balanced. Maybe there's a hand crank, maybe there's a button, but there's very little space to hide anything, right? There's rarely a drawer, so that means the surface of the desk stays quite messy, It's probably because it has to be pretty lightweight to go up and down. So they're trying to reduce the load, right? But there's not a storage column. And I typically love to hide cords behind the storage column. And that's just not an option. Now, they are making a lot of cool styles at Pottery Barn, Crate and Barrel. But still, they're all pretty much the flat top with the big, broad legs. I got this sit-stand desk Right after John told me about it, maybe July, August, I don't know, I have never elevated it, not once. So sometimes I think that clients think they're going to sit-stand a lot, and I wonder if they're actually going to do it. And hearkening back to Laura's question, I wonder if sit-stand desks aren't a little trendy, right? People are really into them right now, but maybe instead of standing while you do emails, you should just go outside and take a walk, right? And then go back down and sit. I don't know, but I'm just saying I haven't explored its potential for what it could do for my body or what it could do for my workflow because it just doesn't feel as efficient. There we go. Um, So do I have good styles? Like I said, I recommend those two places because otherwise – all the styles look relatively similar. So whether you invest a ton and get one at a place like Room and Board or whether you invest a little and go for Ikea or Wayfair, it all looks about the same. What I think is absolutely key is to have some kind of cord concealment system. So they have like those 3M strips where you could kind of wrangle the cords down the side of the leg. They have, you know, I got pencil cups and storage on top of my desk. Like I have a tray on top of my desk for all the papers. I have another magazine file on top of the desk for all the books I'm mailing out, things like that, to keep the top of the desk really neat and tidy, to basically give me external storage because there is no internal storage. And then what I did also is I put a freestanding file cabinet underneath the desk because that is the beauty of these desks, is you could raise them a little bit and you can get one that's quite wide. Mine is 30 by 60 and I have three monitors. I just love it. I just love what it does for my workflow, what it does to have that big executive style expanse, but it can get really unruly. So I make sure to have those exterior storage solutions. And then I have a freestanding file cabinet on the side that I keep like papers I'm constantly using in. So that way it's a little bit more organized on top, even though inside the desk itself, I'm quite limited as to how organized I can be. So Matthew, there we go. That's my feeling on that. I still try and avoid those desks for my clients because everything's exposed and they're not stylish. But if my client's really set on standing, if they really think they're going to do it, unlike me, then I want to give them what they want. And I want to promote healthy work life, whatever, right? Healthy emailing. All right, let's move to my next question, which comes from Bavaria, Germany. I love that. And this is from Franzi. Franzi writes, hello, Betsy. Thank you for answering my kitchen questions months ago. Since you said the mailbox is not too full at the moment, I thought maybe you could help me with another question. I want to buy an area rug to put under the couch and under the coffee table. When I look at inspiration pictures, the rug is always in the middle of the room and it doesn't touch the wall. Our house isn't big, so the rug would be placed in a corner and touch the wall on two sides. Does that look weird? Is there a rule as to how much space should be between the walls and a rug? Should I do without a rug? Our home isn't built yet, so I can only attach the floor plan. Thanks for your podcast. Well, Franzi, not only did you attach that, you also attached some beautiful pictures for me to reference. Definitely, definitely, definitely have a rug. That is 100% for sure. Now, area rugs are meant to define an area. So in a living area, they define the seating area, right? And in a dining area, they define the dining area. So that means that in the dining area, the table and chairs would be fully on the rug and you'd have room to push out those chairs without being half on, half off the rug. And that means in this living area, you're going to have all the major pieces of seating, whether it's a couch or armchairs, at least partially on the rug. And in the inspiration photos that you sent, that's exactly how they've done it. But I do not like a rug to get too close to the walls. When a rug is closer than two inches away from the wall, it starts to look like wall-to-wall carpeting that shrunk, right? Like a wool sweater that you put in the dryer during a chilly November afternoon, and then you take it out and it's shrunk. Well, that's exactly what Carpeting looks like, or rugs look like, excuse me, when they're too close to the walls, that shrunken carpeting. So, we definitely want to have a carpet that's fully under the coffee table and partially under all the major pieces of seating. So, it defines that seating area. We don't want the rug to be under the TV console, under bookcases. In fact, I like the rug to be at least, I mean, in an ideal world, one foot to two feet away from a TV console, a bookcase, a fireplace hearth, because again, you don't want it to look like wall-to-wall carpeting. It is there to define the area. So based on the floor plan that you sent me with the highlighted portion being the rug, I think you've done a really good job of putting it under the seating. I don't mind if it's fully under the sectional or halfway under the sectional, but... It should not be touching the wall as in your picture, and you could scoot it a little bit closer to the bookcases or whatever that is across from the sectional. Francie. I love solving all your problems. Keep them coming. You can send your questions to affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. There you'll find two buttons, one button to submit your question if you're a premium member and one button to submit your question if you're a standard member. If you're a premium member, you'll get your questions answered in our bonus episodes that are private to only that community and you'll get your question answered more quickly. But if you're a standard member, your question is still going to get answered. We still love you. And we still want your questions to be pouring in. So don't hesitate to reach out when questions pop up. And for this week, guys, happy designing. Bye. You've asked for it and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy. Bye.